Welcome once again to Winging It. This is the child show, as we established last show, to the parent show, which is Birds of a Feather, which happens every other week. And this show happens in the off weeks, the weeks in between, the weeks that you would otherwise be without us. So we wanted to go ahead and fulfill the need you have for more David and more Christina. This show is Blind to David. So any uh, any words from you, David, before we embark upon this new adventure? Well, I do like the element of surprise and not knowing because it gives me the perfect excuse to sound uh, completely uh, unrehearsed because I don't prepare for anything. The thing that's really weird about you saying that is that you don't sound ill-prepared and you just walk in and just... Make it look easy? Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of what sucks. Don't hate me for that. I won't. I won't hate you. I'll just quietly resent you. How's that sound? Fine. Quiet resentment. Okay, perfect. Envy, envy I can live with, too. <laughs> oh, oh, excellent. Perfect. No problem. I get it. I understand. What are we talking about this week? Well, how familiar are you with the show Saturday Night Live? Well, young lady, uh, I was uh, around and already uh, sentient being when it came on the air, and I watched it for its first, I don't know, maybe 10 years or something like that, and uh I don't remember when exactly I stopped watching it, probably when I grew up. But, you know, it was back in the day. You used to get, Saturday night, you could stone and watch Saturday Night Live. And then Second City Television after that. Ah. And uh, with, you know, John Candy and uh, Joe oh. Flaherty and uh, Eugene Levy and all these uh, legends and everything. Uh, Rick Moranis, uh, Dave Thomas, etc. But, yeah, so I watched it back in the day. Uh, scarcely touched it since then, although there have been a few notable skits and uh, characters that have uh, reached my uh, tar pit. But... Uh, early days, yeah, I'm pretty conversant, I think. I mean, bassomatic and all that stuff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, yeah, cheeseburger, yeah, yeah. Cheeseburger, yeah, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Okay, so, heads, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what we're going to be talking about today, I asked you for a reason, not just out of the blue. You're like, what the hell are we talking about? Well, we're talking I about questioning it. artists that have been banned from SNL. How, how do you get banned from a show which prides itself on being so anarchistic, man, and counterculture and everything, as much as, uh, I mean, it's a business, of course, but, you know, it's, it's one of those shows that was like, wow, this is uh, the fringe, and this is, you know, edgy and all that stuff. So I would love to find out who got themselves banned from that. Yes, it's very interesting, and when I came upon this list, I was quite intrigued and quite confused all at the same time because of the artists that are on the list. Not Some, some of them are not going to be a surprise. And, and I will say that right off the top of my head, no one springs to mind. I know there are a bunch of artists who've gotten in trouble with television shows that they've appeared on, mm-hmm. like going off script and doing something they weren't supposed to do. But nobody springs to mind from Saturday Night Live with the possible exception of Elvis Costello. But uh, I think he you know, changed up and did a song he wasn't supposed to do. But nobody uh, this is going to be probably a surprise, although it might be one of those moments like, oh, now I remember. But uh, what, so far, going in, I'm like, uh, nothing. I got nothing. Well, interestingly enough, the number one person, well, not the number one, but the first person, 1977, Elvis Costello. Oh, there you go. So you're definitely not surprised by this yeah, one. Yeah, that one rung a bell. That was the, f- the only one that came to mind. I seem to recall, well, are you, sure, are you going to tell me the details or should I tell you what I remember? Well, I'm going to tell you the details, then I want you to tell me what you okay. remember. Okay. just going to give you a few details, and thank you very much to FarOut.com in the UK for this information. Is that like... Tommy Chong's website. You know, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I wasn't offered Far any out. joints yeah, or anything yeah, yeah. when I uh, when I was looking at it. But in 1977, Elvis Costello released his debut album, My Aim Is True, oh. and not only earned a name for himself in Great Britain, but also a growing fan base in America. His label and show's producers had agreed prior to the live show that the band would perform less than zero. 
While it certainly was considered their biggest opportunity commercial to date, he put a stop to the performance mid-intro yelling, stop, stop, in the direction of his band. I'm sorry, ladies I'm and gentlemen. I'm going to write down the song that I think he oh. did, and we'll see if I get it right. Okay, okay. go ahead. He said, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. There's no reason to do this song here. Instead, Costello and his band rolled into a performance of the song... Radio, radio. Very nice. Well played. I wrote it down. Well played. That's the way I remember it. Very nice. Which controversially included lyrics that criticized the commercialization of the airwaves in both television and radio, as well as pointed the finger at corporate-controlled broadcasting. The move angered Saturday Night Live producer Lauren Michaels, who was beside himself with rage that some reports stating that Michaels stood with his middle finger raised at the singer during the entire performance. Wow. Costello's punk spirit that was front and center of his performance endeared him to the American audience, even if Michaels wasn't a fan. It would take 12 years before he would lift the band and invite Costello back. Wow. I do recall a line off the top of my head. The radio is in the hands of such a lot of fools trying to anesthetize the way that you feel, or the way that we feel, I forget, uh, the way that you feel, I believe it is. Yes, definitely a little confrontational tune there, and I remember he stopped and said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. Yeah, that part I remember. I don't think I'm going to remember another artist. But you're going to have those, oh my oh, God, yeah, that's yes, right. Yes, uh, but this one I got, and I even remember the song. That was crazy. That was good. But, that uh, was okay. crazy. Good, good. So, uh, the next one. Perks of being old. <laughs> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Sinead O'Connor. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. Kicking things off, we have Irish singer-songwriter Shannon O'Connor. Well, kicking things off female-wise, anyway. A musician who has never been shy to make her opinion well-known in the public eye. Nothing compares, though, to her now-infamous appearance performing on SNL in 1992. Taking to the stage, the camera panned to O'Connor, who, staringly directly down the barrel, delivered an a cappella rendition of Bob Marley's song, War. The track choice delivered as an attempt to protest against sexual abuse of children in the Catholic Church was intended to flip Marley's original war on racism to instead refer to child abuse. O'Connor, who started to sing the lyrics, We Have Confidence in Good Over Evil, then held up a photograph of Pope John Paul II to the camera at the very moment she sang the word evil and began tearing it up in pieces, throwing them at the camera and stating, Fight the real enemy. SNL had no idea about the stunt O'Connor was planning, and during rehearsals, she instead held up an image of a refugee child. Following the sudden switch, NBC Vice President of Late Night Rick Luden stated that after seeing the religious protest, he literally jumped out of his chair while the production team contemplated cutting the entire feed. So she discussed her actions in years that followed, saying that she was really following in the footsteps of Bob Geldof. And Bob Geldof actually was saying that, you know, He actually kind of approved of it. Her actions were chastised, of course, by some and celebrated by others, including Bob Dylan and Chris Christopherson. They paid tribute to her bravery in protest. Yeah, I do remember that. And, of course, this is being a live show. You can get away with that on the East Coast. However, they do have the option, and it's exercised more often than you would think, 
to cut something before it hits the rest of the country, the other time zones. So the East Coast, where I was born and grew up, gets whatever the, whoops, included. <laughs> well, they also get New Year's ahead of everybody else. Right. We watch a replay out here in California. Right, we do. We watch a three-year-old feed of the ball dropping when <laughs> the United States has already been in the current year for three hours, but we, we kind of fake it, you know. But yeah, I think, did they cut it from uh, the rest of the country? Yeah, the East Coast gets it. But of course, these days, of course, back then, it was not possible. These days, it would be on the internet anyway. Right. But back then, it was like, if you didn't see it, you didn't see it. Or somebody probably recorded it, but there's nowhere to upload it anyway. So. Right. But uh, it was a different time. Yeah. The, as soon as you said her name, it was like, oh, yeah, the Pope picture, I remember. I didn't know that she rehearsed it with a refugee kid pick and, and so forth. But, of course, you'd have to be stealthy if you were going to pull a stunt you like would. that. But, you know, hey, controversy, I mean... Everybody was talking about Sinead O'Connor after that. So uh, not only did she make her point in protest, but she also got her name out there. And I don't know if that was the, you know, if that was just a happy side effect of that or not. But yeah, so um, that definitely had its effect. Controversy, not to glamorize being an asshole or anything, but controversy does kind of help. So yeah, that definitely worked for her and was a very powerful uh, statement, I think. It was. And, you know, I mean, I was brought up and raised Catholic. It's not something that I practiced since I was a child. But I remember seeing that and I remember all my extended family being outraged and mm. I was just like, this is a picture of a dude. And yeah, she ripped yeah. it up and she threw it at you as a symbol. I don't I don't understand. It yeah, wasn't I, like, I don't understand the outrage personally. I mean, I mean, I can somebody say, I don't like it. Uh, somebody else thinks it's okay or whatever, but it's nothing to get real bent out of shape about. I mean, you know people out there don't like any given individual. The fact they express it publicly, does that really matter? I mean, it's not a threat. It's right. it's just saying, I have contempt this for this person. Feel. Yeah, uh, I have no problem with that. Of course, in, in later times, it's elevated to you know violent uh, wishes and stuff like that. But to tear up a picture of somebody, that seems pretty benign and harmless. And honestly, honestly, it really it does. does. I mean, it know. wasn't like she... Shot a picture of him, and you know, or you know, something that was very symbolic, and it, all she yeah, did was or behe- rip it. beheaded an effigy or anything like that, right. or you no, know, just tearing all up a picture. All she did was say, "I'm tearing up a picture. I'm not happy with what's going on." So for me, even in 1996, it just seemed overblown. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I understand that it was controversial because that's not what she planned to do, right? But at the same time, I was like, okay, it didn't upset me. I was like, okay, you feel strongly about that. You're an artist. You have a platform. You've used it. And I, and I think I've mentioned this on earlier shows that I don't think it's very cool and it's very rock and roll to, for example, somebody invites you on their show, like Ed Sullivan or something like that, and you say you're going to do one thing and you do another. I think it's totally disrespecting somebody who's giving you an avenue to an audience and let you use their show as a platform and giving you access to their viewership i don't think that's cool at all i think uh you know the doors did that and uh some people have done that and no they wouldn't be on there because they were dead before saturday night live came on but <laughs> they've had that experience with earlier shows and i don't think that's cool and i think it's well it's so rock and roll and i think it's kind of being an asshole you know uh so i don't like when people switch things up i'm not applauding that the protest itself that she made is I think it's pretty benign. However, to fool Lorne Michaels and to play a trick on the show and everything, that's something I can't get behind because they're putting you on there in good faith and I don't think people ought to do that. And I know rock and roll is about rebellion, except it isn't. That's just some people's perception. It's not mine, you know. But the statement itself, you know, I mean, if today you'd just make a video and put it on YouTube and you wouldn't be uh, deceiving anybody and, you know, and, and getting over on somebody. So I don't like the fact that these artists did that to the show. So eh, if they want to ban them for that, I would kind of understand that because it's like you know you make a fool out of me you lied to me well the hell with you that i get but as far as um 
switching up the song, Elvis Costello, that was not cool. The tearing up the picture thing, well, it's a protest and harmless enough in my mind. So. It's interesting because I, I don't think it should matter, you know, what song they perform. I mean, I think artists should be able to perform whatever song they want to perform on the show. And I will, honestly, I think most of the reason that these things happen was because they knew they wouldn't be able to perform the song they really wanted to perform. So they had to say, oh, I'll do that song. And then they there was no chance to be rebellious back then. Now you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But then that was your only opportunity to have your voice heard. And for them, it was all about making a statement. And it was, it was now or never. So it's a little different then. And I guess, you know, while, yes, I guess they technically did deceive people, at the same time, if you're going to lock that artist down to performing a certain song, especially let's say, <laughs> let's say that you get Led Zeppelin to come on there now, right? Let's say they reform. They're not going to want to do Stairway to Heaven. So if you tell them they have to do Stairway to Heaven, they're going to do something else once you go live. Yeah, well, I mean, I forget what show it was. It might have been Ed Sullivan, where the Rolling Stones were asked to sing Let's Spend Some Time Together instead mm. of Let's Spend the Night Together. But, I mean, if you get on in front of millions of people and they like this song, they're going to go out and buy it, and they're going to go out and buy Let's Spend the Night Together, not Let's Spend Some Time Together. So you're getting your thing across. If you think it's too much of an artistic compromise, then okay, you don't have to do it. But I just think that, I don't know... Uh, Fair play, I mean, an agreement that you make with someone, you ought to honor that. However, the programmers themselves shouldn't object because isn't the ensuing controversy going to be good for the show as well as for the artist? I would think so. Everybody's talking about what she did on my show. Everybody's talking about my show now, and they probably weren't before. So maybe they nudge wink secretly didn't disapprove that much. Maybe they fueled the controversy just for their own... uh, because it was to everybody's benefit. Who knows? But Yeah, I don't really have an issue with it. I just think it's uh, it was a different time, and it's unfortunate that there was so much, I want you to perform this, I want you to do this, this is the only thing, you can't do that. And that's, I think that's unfortunate. I don't think it's as big of a deal, clearly, as you do. Uh, I do understand there's an honor code. I get that, and it's their show, and it's an opportunity they're giving you, but you have to seize that opportunity. And, you know, I'd like to think that if I were going on that show and they'd be like, oh, Christina, you have to play, um, let's say, I'm trying to think, we have no benign songs, but let's say, you know, like no songs that have no, like, weird lyrics, right? But let's just say that they said, okay, Christina, the only thing you can do is Ascension, right? Okay. I would go on there and I would do Don't Make Me because that's the song I want to do. That's the song I want people to hear. It's racy. It says all the wrong things. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do what I want to do because that's my moment. Mm -hmm. And that was the only moment you had then. Hmm. And not now. Now you do whatever you want. But then that was it. You had your moment. You made your mark or you faded away. Hmm. So I feel like as an artist, if I was told, Christina, you cannot do Don't Make Me, I'm like, okay. Do don't make me. Let's do don't make me. When we get out there, okay, let's do that. I would do it. I just would because that's my moment. And all this time, I thought you were such a goody two shoes. But- hey, I am. I mean, I wasn't gonna be if I was a big rock band in 1977. I guess <laughs> I'd probably be pot smoking, rebellious. But I just that was their moment, David. That was that moment, and they only had one. Wow. I just think God, they got to get out what they want to get out. But I see your point. But I'm just like. Go for it, guys. <laughs> I, 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 I wonder if there weren't some uh, backroom deals there. It's like, okay, 
we'll say this. You're going to do that? Oh, that's fine. Do that. Mm. And, and, and I'll, I'll say this, and I'll make a big fuss. I mean, it's like feuds. You yes. know, feuds in like, you know, I mean, I'm sure that I wouldn't be too surprised to find out that Eminem and the uh, Insane Clown Posse were actually good friends, and they, <laughs> <laughs> and they just played up that whole thing for the paper. So yeah, Eminem know. really loves Juggalos. It's yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, too dope and silent gay, you know? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so I think, it's, I think it's an interesting topic, and I like that we don't exactly agree on it, but I don't disagree with you. I get mm. it. It's, there's an honor code involved, but it was their moment. Okay, it was their moment. Got Carpe it. diem. Speaking of Carpe Diem, The Replacements, 1986. Oh. Yeah, so you may or may not remember this, but let me tell you, and I want to know if you're surprised right away. Are you surprised The Replacements are on this list? Um, well, I don't remember I don't remember the incident at all, but I remember they could have said they were going on to play, well, if they played anything from the EP Stink, they wouldn't probably ever been asked to do anything like that, like Dope Smoking Moron, Fuck School. They probably would not have been asked to do any of that stuff on TV. But what did they do? I'm not familiar with it. I love The Replacements. What did they do? The Replacements played an integral part in pioneering alternative rock in the 80s, as we know. By 1986, that very same reputation that earned the band a dream slot of being on SNL, they actually realized their dream, but as you might expect, it did not go smoothly. Mm. Like Elvis Costello, the replacements also arrived at a last-minute guest, as a last-minute guest, apologize, replacing the scheduled act, the Pointer Sisters, who had been forced to cancel just days before the show. The band performed Kiss Me on the Bus, whilst being completely out of their face, (laughs) then played... Bastards of Young, out of tune, during which frontman Paul Westerberg yells out, Come on, fucker, which as you could probably imagine, didn't go well. To make things even worse, they returned to the stage wearing mismatched iterations of each other's clothing. The replacements would eventually return to NBC in 2014 when they appeared on The Tonight Show almost 30 years from that fateful night. Wow. You know, I actually know those songs. I don't have any replacement stuff currently, but I used to play with this guy and he was really into them. On the bus, you know. And oh, yeah. We are the Sons of No Ambassadors of Young. I, I love the replacements. Um, hmm, interesting. So they were totally wasted then, you know. Apparently just yeah. completely out of their gourd. And, you know, I'm not surprised. I'm surprised more people aren't on this list. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, there was really not that many. Yeah. So very interesting. Uh, but they seemed, I just didn't see that coming. But no, no. This one you're going to see coming. 1996, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, Lord. They actually let them on. (laughs) (laughs) I love Rage Against the Machine. Notorious Hellraisers and political activists Rage Against the Machine were another strange choice for the clean-cut nature of Saturday Night Live's notoriously straight-laced approach. So when they were invited to the mainstream TV show on April 13, 1996, eyebrows were raised by the loyal fans of both camps. The program tied back then at least, to remain apolitical as much as possible when it came to musical performances. Yeah, that's changed since then. According to (laughs) guitarist Tom Morello, Rage Against the Machine wanted to stand in sharp juxtaposition to a billionaire telling jokes and promoting his flat tax by making their own statement. Because that particular show, Steve Forbes, was the one who was hosting. Oh, wow. The band made their statement by hanging American flags upside down from their amplifiers as they took the stage to perform Bulls on Parade. Upon hearing of their expulsion from the building, bassist Tom Comerford stormed Forbes' dressing room, throwing bits of the recently torn flag as he went. Morello said, The members of the SNL team expressed solidarity with our actions and a sense of shame that the show had censored the performance. Ever since the incident, Rage Against the Machine have not appeared on Saturday Night Live, and who knows if they will ever return. Wow. 
So we know that Rage Against the Machine is very political, as I just said. I mean, I am not surprised at all that they did something like that, because that's their moment. Well, in that case, you kind of should have known... It's like inviting a wolverine to dinner. I mean, you, you should know what you're, gonna, you're in for. You ask them on the show, what do you expect them to do? I mean, this is not, you know, by comparison, Elvis Costello, despite the, I mean, he's really, really mainstream now and accepted by everybody, but the sort of new wave punky kind of thing and, and that attitude was relatively clean and safe compared to Rage Against the Machine. I mean, you, you got to know you were, you were courting trouble to let them on the show. <laughs> but, uh, well, that they were probably going to do something that was politically motivated. Motivated and, and politically Steve, driven. Steve Forbes as host, which I never knew that happened. That seems like gasoline in a match right there. You know. Agreed. And, uh, you know, again, 1996, that was their moment. And it was very much a shock to everybody that they were invited on the show, but they were huge. Yeah. So why wouldn't you have a huge musical act on the show? But they are very outwardly, openly political. All of their music is political. Well, I'd say most or all of their music is political. So, very interesting, but they have not been invited back like most of the others on this list (laughs) have been invited back. So, we're going to go back into the 90s for Cypress Hill, 1993. Wow. Are you surprised? This is your insane in the membrane, folks. Yeah, yeah. You love that song. Are you surprised they're on this list? Mm, No. Well... No, 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 I'm not really, now that I think about it. Well, Cypress Hill, the now iconic California hip-hop group, hit the headlines in 1993 when DJ Mugg smoked a joint during the live broadcast. I remember Saturday Night Live gave us a green room and said, do whatever you want in here, just don't light up out of here. It wasn't just the Saturday Night Live people saying he couldn't smoke up on air. It was everyone, our record label, our management, our friends. I felt like, to me, Muggs wanted to make that statement. Before we did the second song, we agreed that we were not going to do it. If you look, I was surprised that he did it. Then the hammer swung and we were banned from Saturday Night Live, he says, forever. We understand how serious it was at that time, but we paid the price and we moved on. Oh, okay. Well, that's a very mature way of looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, and it's just so funny to think back about, you know, we were talking on the last show about how, you know, there was all these controversial songs and uh, at the time back in the day. And then all of a sudden we have, you know, WAP now. Yeah. And none of this would have been considered, it wouldn't have even been a blip. So very interesting, but I was surprised to see Cypress Hill on here because although they're hip hop, they were kind of chill, relaxed, cool hip hop. I mean, they had an edge, don't get me wrong. They they sure did. They're edgy, but they weren't, I didn't see them as troublemakers or anything. So, you know, and I guess now smoking a joint on stage. (laughs) nothing maybe even on a show probably nothing because it's legal here in california and it's becoming legal all over the country so but then apparently it was a big deal so they're banned and well they're not going to be invited back they haven't been invited back and i'm not sure that they care at this point but in 1993 i'm pretty sure it was a big deal to be banned from snl Oh, yeah, and now Dr. Green Thumb is playing in my head already. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Insane in the Brain and Dr. Green Thumb, but 
if anything, the thing of their some of the controversial, at least video wise, was uh, we ain't going out like that. Oh yeah, which is you know about you know stalking someone and killing someone and, and everything. You know that was something that I can see if they f- did that on stage instead instead of whatever they had agreed to do. But I mean, smoke on well, I guess that was a big deal back then because I remember the seven. Wait, this was what year? Ninety nineteen ninety six. Ninety six. Okay, because I remember. Well, yeah, during that time in the 70s and all of them, people talked about it. They joked about it on the show and everything, but you wouldn't do it on the show. I mean, no. it was a big deal. I mean, Reaver Madness and all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not, I mean, not that level of hysteria. No, I mean, not that know, level. But uh, it was not, not cool. It was not legal anywhere at that time. You know, That's you right. You could get in big trouble for it at that time. You really could. Now it's like you walk down the street in California smoking a joint, nobody cares. But now it's like you go to like Sunset Strip and everything outside on Lemmy's Lounge oh, at the yeah. Rainbow Bar and Grill. They're sitting out there, uh, you know, with a beer in one hand and a joint in the other hand uh, yeah. because it's outdoors. The only thing is you can't smoke indoors. I'm glad that people are free to do it where they want to do it. So joint smoking in 1996 live on SNL, not a good idea. Got it. Not a good idea. So the last one on our list, are you ready for this? See, see. David Bowie. No, no. Yes, David Bowie. You're kidding. Nope. David Bowie, not one to be ordered around, was once banned from performing on Saturday Night Live after an act of defiance resulted in him being escorted off the premises. What year was that? Uh, I don't remember. It did not show the year. Okay. It was a long time ago. Well, the music will give us a hint. That's true. After planning to do a number of comedy sketches and performances, his rocky relationship with executive producer Lauren Michaels ended in a three-year ban for the star man who couldn't resist taking a swipe at his old friend. Mm. I was scheduled to perform a single from my Earthling album called Telling Lies. Bowie explained, just before the band took the stage, I decided to take the piss out of Lauren a bit because I knew he wasn't happy with me. Instead of playing Telling Lies, Bowie instructed his band to perform uh, Scary Monsters. Oh, wow. Michael's clearly furious about Bowie's surprise move took immediate action and had security escort him and his band off the premises immediately. As Bowie's stardom continued to rise, his band from SML was, in the end, terminated, and he made his return when Jerry Seinfeld was hosting. We're mates, he said, which is why he was allowed to return. We have been mates since the 70s, and he knows I was just trying to get a rise out of him. He's talking about him and Lauren Michaels, not mm-hmm. Jerry Seinfeld. But, uh, so surprising to me, yeah, because yeah. I thought they were friends. I remember reading that they were friends. I, I didn't know that, but I'm just surprised that David Bowie did anything, you know, defiant like that. He seems like such a, it's British, he's so civilized. You know, most of the British are so civilized. It's just, unless they're outright punks, they're usually pretty civilized. But you can't tell him what to do, apparently. He I was going to do not. what he wants yeah. to do, wow. and he did, just like all the other ones. That was his moment. He was like, you know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, and I know it's going to piss you off and do it anyway. Wow. Apparently, he had a punk side to him. I guess there he did. There it was. I guess he did. So, those are just some. I'm sure there's more, but those were some that I got from farout.com, and I thought it was very interesting to hear the stories behind it. I was surprised by many except Sinead O'Connor. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Uh, and I forgot it momentarily, but I remember when it happened, uh, as soon as you said her name, and the Elvis Costello one I knew off the top. The other ones were a bit of a surprise, except for, of course, um, Rage Against the Machine. Uh, you right, know, and it's going to probably happen. You let them on your show. What are you thinking? What the hell are you well, thinking? Well, but you know? at the same time, if you did what they did now... Oh, yeah. It wouldn't have been a thing. You hung flags upside down. Okay, whatever. Yeah, there's a record label, uh, American Records, uh, Rick Rubin, that's their symbol. Right. I mean, it wasn't, you know, then after they got mad, then they tore up the flag and threw it. But, I mean, before then, it was just three flags hanging upside down. I mean... 
And and the, the smoking a joint on stage thing with Cypress Hill, first of all, how do you know it's an actual joint? Oh, couldn't it just be a hand-rolled cigarette? I mean, pretending to be a joint? I mean, when I went to see Boston, you'd have loved this, Boston in 1970, whatever the hell it was, oh, yeah. opening act of Mr. Sammy Hagar. Oh, um, you know how I they were, uh, They were doing the song Smokin', which, of course kicks like so much ass it's not even funny that song and uh, total aside but I mean Tom Scholz is playing the organ solo with this Phantom of the Opera get up on and everything and there's the big giant pipe organ with like the pipes were all lit in different colors and everything it was absolutely phenomenal wow. but they were Brad Delp was a uh, great vocalist Brad Delp was throwing what appeared to be joints out of joints but I'm sure they weren't I mean right. you'd get in real trouble for that well, sure but I mean it was uh, just the same thing as smoking a joint and said a statement without actually lighting up a real joint. But then again, maybe the show of it is enough to object to, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Who knows? You know? Maybe. Yeah. And it's just, again, like you said, that act of defiance. Yeah. And, and who likes to have people defy them? Right? Yeah. Especially I mean, big, powerful people like Lauren Michaels. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, he's I, I totally get that. anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've had my issues with him over the years. But I mean, yeah, I, I can kind of understand. I sympathize with the hosts in those situations, you know. But at the same time, I think it works to their advantage anyway. I mean, yeah. if, uh, whoa, somebody did something bad on your show. What show? Let me tune what in show? next week. Oh, and, you know, yes, see if somebody yeah, does something I, else. I'm sure that uh, everybody, it's a win-win. Everybody walks away the better for that. Uh, right. Enriched by the experience, if you will. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, or literally made richer by yeah, the experience, yeah, exactly. right? I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, the general public is not going to go, oh, they did that on the show. Well, I'm not going to buy their records anymore. No, right. that is, no. that's not going to happen. So. No, most yeah. of them are probably applauding it, laughing. I mean, you had yeah. Bob Dylan, you had Chris Christopherson applauding what Sinead O'Connor did, yeah. you know, yeah. in protest. So, you know, I do think it's good press for everybody. Again, even if it's negative press, still good press. I mean, she was a superstar already, and it just... Mm-hmm took her star higher. Yeah, all press is good press. It really is. That's, that's, true. that's true. As long as they spell my name right. <laughs> that's you know, exactly that's right. exactly And it's David Moore, M-O-O-R-E, and Christina Baldwin, B-A-L-D-W-I-N. Well, that's easy. Getting oh, people, I just wanted to make sure. Getting people to spell pea soup right is uh, a challenge. You know, P-S-O-O-P. Because, well, of course, I get pea scoop, pea snoop. I get all this stuff, accent. Oh, do you really? Accent... A S C E N T. We're not accent. A C C E N T. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you guys are accent. Well, no. The, the problem with you is is audibly the when you when you me. say <laughs> the problem with the your problem name with rather you, Christina. when you say ascent you have to if you, if you say I'm in a group called ascent you say not like I agree not like uh, correct but as in rising as in rising yeah. exactly and then they say wait are you a religious band we're like oh. Well, it's, it has that sound. It has, yeah, it's ascending. We're ascending. Yes. Of course, descent sounds uh, demonic. Exactly. <laughs> We're descending we, into the abyss. You know? we, but ascent is a great name. Don't get me wrong, it's a great name. Oh, but you. it carries with it, you know, a slight... Well, when you see it in print, there's no problem. When you say it aloud, you do have to clarify which ascent you mean because of the whole homonym problem. Absolutely. And me, oh, pea soup, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a problem for me. So, <laughs> uh, And I've uh, have suffered greatly. Uh, I, the, I was going to say, I'm so sorry, it's, your plight. I mean, no one understands your plight. P-S-O-U-P, pea snoop, scoop. <laughs> Pea Snoop is funny. Uh, poops, I'm sorry. Professor Poop Scoop. I mean, uh, my, <laughs> oh, you did not. I have this uh, this British DJ that I had a crush on for years, and she says she like that all the time. <laughs> Professor Poop Scoop and everything. Oh, and she's even had me on the show. And she, Professor uh, Poop Scoop. Professor Poop Scoop, and it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's that's yeah, not right. Yeah, not right. 
Speaking of Professor P. Soup, I want to say before we end this show that I hope that you tune in to the next show because that is going to be his birthday show. And he's calling the shots on that show. And uh, it's going to be artists that he picks. It's going to be artists that he knows. He's going to share them with you. And we are going to have a lot of stuff that is around things he loves or things that he appreciates or his music. So hopefully you'll tune into that after you've heard episode eight. I think this is eight of winging it. Wow. All right. So I guess that now that I've announced the show, now that we've had that whole discussion and we've talked about all of these crazy things, SNL, you know, has lost my interest quite a bit in the recent years but i'm trying to kind of go back and see what it's like not nearly as funny as the 70s which were my favorite time for that show that i watched in reruns i mean just a kid just think about the things that have come from snl since we're talking about snl oh my gosh uh the blues brothers hello the blues brothers Brothers. Uh, a little bit later on wayne's world absolutely there have been so many uh movies steve martin steve martin yeah well i mean the stars come on the movies the characters uh so many uh, lesser ones and even ones that did never went on to you know solo success in a film or anything like that or a series chevy chase i mean mean, he just well the first cast chevy chase dan Aykroyd, jim belushi gilda radner john belushi yeah john belushi (laughs) did i say jim jim well there is a jim i'm used to jim because he's in everything he's alive now (laughs) john belushi gilda radner Uh, lorraine newman jane curtin garrett morris uh, uh, the first SNL cast and Chevy Chase. Just and, brilliant. Uh, yeah. And the frequent guests like Steve Martin, people like Harry Shearer, who we know as uh, Derek Smalls of Spinal Tap. That's right. And uh, so many people. Paul Schaefer. Paul, Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. The amazing Paul Schaefer. I mean, there's so many uh, legendary people that have come. And uh, like I said, the Blues Brothers, Wayne's World, and others that uh, I'm sure will come to me after we are off the air. Um, but, um, I mean, what's it been on for 45, 50 years now or yes. something like that? It certainly has an incredible legacy. The times or two I've tuned in in the last 10 years, I didn't find it funny. But, you know, uh, I'm sure it has its moments, maybe. It has its moments. It has but its moments. it's too hard to pick through yeah. to get to it. I'm hoping they get back to that place but i yeah i like that it gives a platform for people to uh not take themselves terribly seriously like former uh senator and presidential candidate john mccain was on it once Mm -hmm. doing uh all kinds of funny skits about like uh how broke his campaign was He did a it's skit. The best. He did a skit. The like the only airtime he could get was on the shopping network, you know, QVC, and he was like hawking all this merchandise <laughs> oh and stuff God. with themes about his uh, political career and everything. It was hilarious stuff. I'm making jokes about how broke he was. <laughs> That's the best part is you get to see a different side of artists, politicians, you know, these famous larger than life people like Forbes, even Forbes going yeah, in there. Forbes. Like who would have yeah. seen that wasn't, coming? And I haven't watched it in so many years, but wasn't President Obama on there? Oh, yeah. yeah, see, I mean, because I've seen him do funny skits on things, but I just didn't know what shows Making he did him on. Making fun of himself. I love that, too, that people can make fun of themselves. Yeah, that's... Shows I, their humanity. I, I do like that. And like I said, the only one I remember seeing... Well, oh, and uh, Sarah Palin was yes. on. And uh, as we know, Tina Fey... Oh, oh, there's oh, some more... Oh, uh, Tina Fey, icon- say. Legendary people who have come from that show, Tina Fey. Tina Fey. Uh, Tina Fey was... Tracy uh, who, Morgan. I mean, yeah, just... Yeah. 
who plays uh, Eddie Murphy. Eddie oh, freaking Eddie Murphy. Joe Piscopo. Murphy. I mean, I'm Gumby, damn it, you know. Ote. <laughs> Ote. But my name is But We. <laughs> I... uh, legendary. So, I mean, that was Eddie Murphy's introduction to the world. So it has launched its share of incredible stars and shows and everything. And the and most amazing musical performances ever. Ever. Yes, uh, Blondie. I mean, they've had everybody meet love. I remember uh. Christopher fucking Lee was on as host one time, uh, you know, making fun of his own film career and everything and stuff like that. And he introduced Meatloaf was the guest uh, when Christopher Lee was on. It was just a great, great time. I think it was, it was people making fun of themselves, as you said, like uh, Sarah Palin was on. And she goes up and she's talking, and Tina Fey would play her on the show. She's brilliant. So she goes up and she's talking to Alec Baldwin. And Alec Baldwin is talking to her as if she's Tina Fey and saying things about Sarah Palin. And there's Sarah Palin you know, in on the joke and everything. It was really good stuff. It, was- it can be very uh, self-deprecating and good-natured. And it's been a lot of fun over the years, on and off. And it certainly gave me a huge, tremendous laughter and uh, joy in my life when I was a young person in the 70s, uh, watching the show and sitting there. All right, I admit I was high. But um, uh, watching <laughs> it was the 70s. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, Pepsi, Pepsi, Coke, Coke, cheap, cheap, and Samurai, whatever. Oh, yes. Samurai delicatessen, you know. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger, and, cheeseburger. Uh, all those crazy off the wall skits like Bassomatic and, you know, just uh, nutsoid stuff. And. You know, I'm glad it was there, and the fact that it's still on, I pretty much am oblivious to, but I mean, I'm glad it was there. And a lot of great stuff. It gave us a lot of great things, including controversies. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for uh, hanging in there with us for another wing. And thank you, David, for being open to this sort of torture <laughs> I put you through every other week. <laughs> Given a script of blank pages and having the shot, uh, the shot light, the spotlight shown on me is like, uh, 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 you know, yeah, so uh, it's uh, it's quite a challenge. But it's fun. It is fun. It's a good time. Yeah. Well, now that we've talked about all the things that I had on my list, that only leaves for you to say. And this time I don't have to have the deliberate pause, the pregnant pause, while I say the last line is usually because I don't remember it. Oh, my God. But this time I do remember that the line is, um, all right, I don't really, uh, I mean, I did before I said all that stuff. Uh, the line is, <laughs> oh, shit. The line is, let's fly this coop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to scream script for you just for that. Yeah, end. right. I gotta hang a little post-it note <laughs> saying it's because and, you're thinking of what I say at the end of Birds of a Feather. Yes, I I'm think. thinking about your line that I feed you your line, That's and right. you always know what to say, but I don't. <laughs> And I have, a, I have a song lyric that actually says, uh, it's time for all you spring chickens to fly the coop. You figure I would remember that, but I don't. Okay, so let's pretend that didn't happen and say, let's fly this coop. This has been Birds of a Feather on Fusion Music Radio.